Welcome, friends. I'm Sarah Ann Stewart, and this is the Awesome Inside Out Podcast. Now, I'm not sure how you ended up here today, but I want to welcome you with open arms. Because while our past may be different, I'm going to take a wild guess that we share one common desire to have a deeply fulfilling, extraordinary life in a body that we love. A life free of diets, free from guilt, and free from shame. In each episode, we're going to dive deep into mindset shifts that give you the power to decide how you feel, not the media, not your past, and not social conditioning. Then you'll discover how to use this inspiration and this new sense of confidence to be the best you, the you that you are meant to be. So get ready, my friend. It is time to get awesome inside out. Hey there, thanks so much for tuning in to another interview episode on the Awesome Inside Out podcast. As always, it's an honor and a pleasure to share this space with you. So thank you so much for showing up for your health and your well-being. If you find value and inspiration from the conversation shared today and you want to support, the easiest way is by subscribing, leaving a five-star review, and sharing with the people that you love. It would mean the world to me for others to have access to this powerful content So thank you so much in advance. Also make sure to stay till the end as I'm going to offer some applicable takeaways and a fun challenge this week to upgrade your health. All right, so in today's fast-paced 24-7 world of news and social media, it can be hard to find that deeper inner awareness and stillness. Our world is noisy, whether that be the constant pace of work, the 24-7 news cycle, or simply the endless scroll of social media. And a lot of that noise, well, it can be pretty negative. But for us to heal both inside and out and stay true to our inner selves, positivity and moments of deep inward attention are absolutely crucial. In fact, greater awareness is the first step towards achieving better health, both physically and mentally. And there is truly nothing more important than giving yourself this space for self-care and allowing yourself to show up for your ultimate well-being. For today's guest and my dear friend, Jill DeJong, learning how to show up for herself has been a lifelong journey. Born and raised in Holland, Jill moved to Milan at the age of 17 to start a modeling career. And after several years of international travel, living in hotels and on airplanes and racing from one photo shoot to another, Jill found herself suffering from reoccurring health issues. Jill knew she needed to change her path, and so she started studying nutrition, teaching herself to cook healthy meals, and learning how to heal her body through food. With a similar story to mine, Jill realized that she could inspire those around her by sharing the empowering knowledge that she had learned along the way. Today, Jill is a popular celebrity trainer, health coach, and chef. She's the author of Models Do Eat, which is a cookbook, and she spends her days helping hundreds of clients find better ways to move, eat, and deal with stress. In our conversation today, Jill and I are going to dive deep into how to embrace a positive mindset and deal with insecurities, rejection, health issues, and negativity, all with the goal of learning how to make space to show up for yourself unconditionally. So grab a coffee, a cup of tea, a snack, a journal, and a pen, and we're going to dive in now. Hi, Jill. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to have this beautiful conversation with you that we've been having for several weeks and the time that I was on your podcast and going back and forth via text and voice notes and Instagram. I feel like we've really cultivated such a beautiful 
relationship and friendship. And so I'm just so grateful to have you here. Thank you so much for inviting me, Sarah. And I'm so glad that I can now share on your podcast. I feel like you share with so much truth and so much honesty and it's contagious. I love it. Uh Thank you so much. Yeah, I want to dive in specifically to your story of going from being an international supermodel to a nutritional health coach and really cultivating a healthier relationship with your mind, your body, your spirit, and what that looked like for you. I know that it's a big topic because there's multiple parts of this, which we'll continue to dive into, but I would just love to hear what that transition looked like and really how you started to cultivate this deeper self-love, self-worth, self-esteem, self-confidence that led you to saying, okay, I need to start taking care of my body and I need to find a healthier way of being. And I know that you continue to model during that time, but I would love to hear what that journey looked like for you. All right. Well, that's a long story that I'll keep really short because it's most important like that transition, right? But as a 17-year-old girl that came from a very small village in Holland that really did not know what to do with her life, the best invite was to start a modeling career. I was stoked that I could go abroad, do my thing. I didn't know what I wanted to be later in life. I didn't know what I wanted to study next. So it was really just a wonderful invite. So I took it, moved to Milan at age 17. And I was a very balanced, happy girl that looked at the business of modeling as a business because I was given the freedom by my parents to travel by myself to live there. But I also knew that if I would, you know, if they were going to get a call, my agents telling them I was on drugs or partying too much or just not doing a good job, I would have to come home. And I wanted to avoid that. I wanted to like really take it seriously, this opportunity. I wanted it like thrive. I wanted to do well. So I really took it as a business. And I think that's where it like it's a good mindset to be in because I didn't take it all that personally. I personally was also never told I was beautiful in our household. My parents never talked about beauty. And I had beautiful friends. I had friends that said they wanted to become a model. And I never thought of myself that way. So I was really surprised in a way that I was getting this opportunity. And I realized, okay, if they can see it, but I cannot, then it's fine. I'll go for it. And I was growing in the business, learning from the other models that were very successful, like and how to speak in front of clients, how to move my body, how to then also eat. But that's this is where it started getting messed up a little bit because not everyone is catering a good example for others. I was asked about my calorie intake when I was living in a model apartment. And I had no idea what a calorie was at the time. I was never introduced to calorie counting. And so I figured, okay, well, if this is important to you, and it must be part of my job. So I started keeping track on everything I ate. And this is already where it started like going in an unhealthy fashion. Because all of a sudden, I realized that all the cookies and bread and cheese were high in calories and that I definitely enjoyed daily. I felt like I had to revise and rethink my strategy. Now I like games. So I thought of, you know what, if I'm going to start eating diet products, then my goal is to eat as much as I can with the least amount of calories. And then I'm a winner. And so I went on this diet product diet. It was awful because I was always hungry. I was constantly grazing, overeating, skipping meals. And this is where I feel like some form of disordered eating started. 
all of a sudden I wasn't eating whole meals. Also, I didn't really know how to cook. So that was a problem by itself because we were running around doing casting, seven, eight appointments a day, hardly had time to pee. You just had to go, 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 get work. And you get sent out as you know a piece of meat, go get a job because you're money to the agency, right? And of course, you want to make money yourself. So at the end of the day, I would come out of the subway. And even though I did not even like McDonald's, I would like go to McDonald's. And because it was cheap and I didn't have money, I was like, okay, I'm going to have an ice cream as an appetizer. And then I'm going to have a burger as dinner. And that's like what I did repeatedly. I mean, I liked the ice cream, but I didn't really enjoy a burger. I didn't care for it, but it was easy. I didn't know how to take care of myself. My mom never taught me how to cook. So fast forward, many years later, a very successful career, traveling nonstop. Pretty much the first 10 years of my modeling career was on the road. And I'd be eating at restaurants, hotels, airports, not much at home, right? And I also didn't have to cook because it was all delivered to me. But as we all know, we don't quite know what we're eating when we're getting our food elsewhere. It can look healthy, but it may not be healthy at all. So I started developing some health issues. And it wasn't like a major health issue. It was just all these little issues. I felt foggy. I felt tired. I was not feeling like I was irritable. I didn't want to be social. I felt my pH was off. Like I had candida. So all these little things just kept adding up and I didn't know how to resolve it. And so I went to see a nutritionist and he actually really opened my eyes because he was telling me about the acidity of my body and then how I was high in acidity and I needed to eat better and in order for my body's environment to become alkaline. And the alkalinity, he said, is going to take care of healing your body naturally. Like it's going to balance everything out. So everything I was going to put in my mouth, I had to like now think about, is this acidic or is this alkaline? And it didn't mean that I couldn't have anything acidic anymore because, for example, dairy and some grains are more of the mouth, but are acidic. I just had to eat more. And it sounds boring, but it was so true. More veggies, lemon water, all that stuff that we know we got to do. But I had a real reason to because I was starting to like get sick and not to the point where I had to get hospitalized. It was like super serious, but I didn't feel good. I was like, you know, I've never felt this awful in my life because I was always very just happy-go-lucky. And so I knew it was time for me to learn to cook, but I didn't really know how because it was never taught to. And so I started looking up recipes online and I was like, okay, you know, this can be fun. And I call myself a goal digger because I like to set goals. Otherwise, I'm not very motivated <laughs> to do things. I'm very goal-oriented. So I said, I'm going to write a cookbook. And uh, my then husband said, oh, that's great. I mean, you don't really know how to cook, but he encouraged it. He said, great, go for it. <laughs> so I started sharing my journey. Like if I can learn how to cook and eat well, and while healing my body, because I just knew that one bite at a time, I was healing my body. I was eating the veggies and I made all the things that were kind of back then healthy and boring. I could make them better by putting cashews in a soup, for example, in a Vitamix instead of heavy whipped cream for that nice, smooth texture. I was trying to find all these swaps and it started to become, again, a game. I like games. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, you know, I'm getting smarter at this. And so 
by sharing all that I learned with everyone else first on the blog and then started writing the cookbook over the years, I felt really empowered. I was just like, wow, it seems like so many people are dealing with a host of issues and it's some serious, some less serious, but we all are wanting to feel better, all want to know how to, because we know that a pill cannot solve it. We need some drastic changes, but at the same time, we cannot do too much at a time. Otherwise, we feel overwhelmed and we feel like we're failing at it. And so back then, I thought I was really healthy because it was the healthiest I had been since I moved out of my parents' home. And mind you, my parents did raise me with like homegrown food, everything homeopathic. I just didn't know how to do it for myself yet. And so I did have good values ingrained in me. And so I was starting to like really enjoy the journey. And so the transformation is continuous, is ever evolving. I feel like I was healthy then, then years later from there, I'm like, what was I thinking? I'm on a whole new level. And now years and years and years later, I'm like, okay, this is how these have been. And so it's always just fun that there's still room for improvement. I am now to a point where I make my own kombucha and I baked a sourdough bread this morning. And I really enjoy like a lot more local food here. And now I live in Maui, outdoors much more. So I think first, I had to stop calorie counting. That was one of the most important things I had to do and feel more in tune with my body, getting the nutrition that I needed instead of thinking I need to find something really light and probably a salad because that's least in calories. So really getting rid of the calorie counting and saying, what do I need? What am I craving? What will make me most happy right now? And going for that intuitive insight and trusting that and continue to learn to ask the body, what do you need right now? What do you want to eat? What do you want to drink? And then moving to other components where you constantly try to engage in a conversation instead of the authorities, experts, magazines telling you to do this or that. Trying to like, okay, I may be curious about something. I probably got to know about matcha, like the matcha superfood tea powder because of a magazine or experts raving about it. And it's nice when you get excited. I'm not saying like, you know, you shouldn't listen, but always like, huh, how do I feel when I drink it? Well, how do I feel like, and what time of the day do I need this? And do I need it at all? Because we can't do it all the time. And so we get to pick and choose. So the transformation is ongoing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing the breakdown of that. And I am in a complete agreement. I think often we listen to the mind based on what we've learned from magazines and sources and research and experts. And I think that that's great, but I think that there's the wisdom of the body, right? Which is very different than what the mind is often telling us. And so the mind might tell us that we need a specific craving or we're craving a specific type of food or drink And that is often coming from avoidance or wanting to suppress a feeling or emotion where if we listen to the wisdom of the body and tune into what we actually need in order to heal, that's a very different energy and a very different experience where the answer may be very different than what the mind is telling us. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I think another really profound part of your story, which I think is so crucial for people to hear is that we often think that as we age, we should be feeling worse in our bodies. People tell us that, right? We've heard that story our entire lives. Then we go to the doctor and the doctor says, well, this is what comes with age. But then we recognize as you share that if you learn how to actually listen to your body, if you learn how to cook, if you learn how to take care of your body, 
then we can start stepping into actually feeling better in our bodies as we age. And I'm kind of in the same belief as you, where it's like, wow, I didn't even know my body could feel this well. Like, I'm like, what was I doing for all of those years, right? Absolutely. I think the more we age, the more we need to take care of ourselves. You know, I'm a personal trainer now and a health coach. I have clients come to the house. They're all older than me and they range like I'm 38 now. My clients range from, let's, well, let's say some 35, but up to like 60, 65. And they talk about their age as in, oh, I may be limited or I have a little injury. And that's all fine. I would always say, look, I'm so glad you're here because you want to do more. You want to exercise more. It doesn't have to be intense. Like it doesn't have to be high intensity all the time. Not at all. But you got to move your body more than you did 10 years ago. And it doesn't matter what you did in high school because that's what I hear constantly. So what kind of uh, sports do you do or what do you enjoy doing? Well, back in high school, I'm like, this is um, 30, 40 years later. So what do you, <laughs> why are we still talking about that? And it's just an identity that we take on. It actually is fun to talk about because if it's stimulating, oh, I felt really good back then. And I know I can feel better than how I do now. Then it motivates when clients come to me not everyone can afford a personal trainer. And even if they come to me once a week, I cannot make huge changes in that hour, but they can when they leave the session, because I really do a lot of coaching throughout the session. And we talk about the diet, we talk about the mindset. So when they leave, now it's up to them to make one decision after the next, right? What to eat, how to move. And then following days, what, like, what do you do with the rest of your week before you come and see me? And I think it's really good to have an accountability partner. Like if you cannot afford a personal trainer, but you want change and you feel like it's really hard to stick to it, get someone to do it with you. If it's a family member, if it's a really good friend, someone that you can trust that he or she is going to carry through. Someone that is what I call a gold digger. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that really makes a difference because then you have someone that checks in, someone that cares, someone that you can have the conversation with. It really makes a difference to have an ally in your health goals. If it's moving more or coming together to make a delicious meal and enjoy it together, which is more fun than eating it by yourself. Are really those small fine tuning that needs to be done in order to see change. And I'm always surprised and I'm not on one hand, but I'm always like, I guess, yes, really happy how quickly bodies respond to good food and exercise. Like, one of my clients had not exercised all year. Okay, she did one yoga class. And all year, 2020, she came to me and she's like, please help me. I need to like get out of this rut that I'm in. And like she, she, she her body's responded so well to exercise that she's exercising several days a week. She already lost some weight. But most of all, what I enjoy most, when she walks in, her shoulders are now, you know, like pulled back. Her chest is like proud. She walks differently. She talks differently. She is open to like socializing. She is giggling when she works out. She expresses herself in different ways. Everyone can see like she's just more happy. And I'm just like, oh, and that's what it's about, guys. That's what it's about. Feeling good on the inside out, right? Just what your podcast is all about. Yeah, it's so true. It's really about both. It's the physical, the mental, and then also the emotional, the spiritual. I mean, I don't think we can compartmentalize these anymore. I think they're all interconnected. And I think it's really important to identify that every single part of ourselves is impacting specifically our motivation. And a piece that I think is really important that you mentioned is the accountability and having someone who will hold you accountable. Because often we shop 
for the wounding pattern in which exists within us. And what I mean by this is like, I've seen people where they're like, oh, well, my sister was supposed to hold me accountable for this or my mom or my (laughs) friend. And then I'm like, well, were they working out? Were they inspired to be moving their bodies? Were they inspired to find joy in movement? Are they inspired to cook their meals? And they're like, no. And I always share that like, okay, well, if you ask someone who isn't doing it for themselves to begin with, to be accountable to you, then that would require quite a bit of motivation on both sides, right? To hold each other accountable. But if you find someone where they're actually going to cause some discomfort in you, and that's what's so hard about signing up for a health coach or a life coach or a personal trainer, because you know that that accountability person is going to hold you accountable to your goals and your dreams and the things that you deeply desire. But it means you're going to have to move through the discomfort and move through being sore after a workout and having to spend 20 more minutes cooking your meal and maybe going shopping or going to the farmer's market on a Sunday versus sleeping it. Like there's things we have to sacrifice. And there is somewhat of a burden of our old life and having to mourn old ways of being when we step into our new way of being. But through that discomfort, we find that freedom and that health on the other side of it. And so I love the point where if you want to be accountable and hold yourself accountable, you have to find other people that will also do the same for you. I think that that's a really important piece of the health puzzle. I also wanted to dive into this thing we were talking about right before the call, which is now that you're out of the modeling world, what does life look like for you and the freedoms that you have? Because I think so often people look at the fashion industry and they're like, my happiness would exist in that picture or my self-love or my self-worth. Wow. If I could just have the things that that woman or that person has in that picture, then the feeling that I desire would also exist within me. And I know when I left the modeling industry, I felt like I was going to lose my entire self. Like my entire identity was wrapped up in how I looked and who I was in relationship to how other people saw me as a product. Right. And so I want to talk a little bit about some of the not so great things that people maybe don't see about fashion. And I'm not discouraging anyone from going into fashion. I think we all have our own journey. And I know you had a really healthy relationship at the end of your career with your body and working for really amazing clients. But I do want to just shed some light on the freedoms that exist outside of it so that we can work through that belief that on the other side of the picture, if I could be in that picture, if I could have that experience, I would be happy and free to have this beautiful life. (laughs) Well, you know, there's quite a few things that come up when you posted that question. The first thing I would say is as a model, I felt excluded from society. People looked at me as someone that's not really real or as in you are that person in a magazine. You are something that may be intimidating to us. A lot of women did not relate to me. At parties, I felt like I always had to dress down tremendously to even have a conversation with someone next to me. Of course, I had to get over that too and say, okay, no, I can be myself. I don't have to apologize for my appearance. But it did make me feel excluded where, you know, we all want to feel connected, right? When I became a health coach and personal trainer, it was the most amazing feeling because now I was included in everyone's life. People came to me and shared their stories, their wins, but also their sorrow. I just felt like I was their new best friend every time when you get a new client. They confided information to me that they wouldn't share with everybody. So the major difference there from modeling to now being in health and wellness was that I feel so connected and so included in society. And I think that's a huge one for me. Now, also, I always think about when I see a picture of myself, I feel like, wow, that's a really beautiful creation. I'm a blank canvas. I walk in with no hair and makeup. 
the hairstylist, the expert, the makeup artist, the photographer, the lighting, the styling. It's not me. It's a creation. And one of the biggest freedoms that I feel like I have now, and I modeled for 20 years, of which 10 years were extreme, like traveling by myself. I felt very lonely during that time. And I was, yeah, making a lot of money, but I didn't really spend it because I'm not someone that likes designer bags or designer clothes. I was just kind of saving it. And I didn't miss out on weddings and birthday parties and family gatherings. So when I was spending more and more time, I had a home base. It was definitely a really big step forward. But still, you're always pulled out of your everyday life and you're always going to get ready to go to the airport even the same day. And you're jet lagged always coming home and having to recover. Now, when you go on vacation as a model, you don't always have the freedom that anyone else experiences on a vacation because if you're in a sunny destination, you have to cover up. You cannot get burned. You cannot get tanning lines because in summer, we photograph winter. In winter, we photograph summer and, you know, outfits and stuff. So the major freedom I'm feeling now, having ended my contracts last year, is that as we're speaking, I was telling you before, on the right side of my eye, I got hit with my surfboard in the face. And so I have another bruise on my arm. I look at my legs and they're old and new cuts, a Band-Aid. And I'm laughing. I'm like, this could have never been part of my life if I was still modeling. I'm unevenly tanned. So <laughs> I am like the rebel right now. And I'm loving it. And even though my um, soon-to-be husband, I'm getting married in a couple of weeks, He's so concerned about when I get hurt. And I'm like, baby, this is wonderful. I'm alive. I can, <laughs> I can go surf. I can go sky surf. I can go on hikes. When I look at my body now and I see the cuts and scrapes and marks and bruises, I'm like, yeah, I earned that. And there's a good memory and an adventure for every, you know, for every yeah. scrape. And it just makes me feel really happy that I have now given myself that permission to not be perfect in that sense anymore because the perfection really can mess with your head. And there's another example. I was on an RV trip cross country and I had not washed my hair daily and I had not shaven my legs and, you know, like armpits and whatever. So I was just really in a camp mode, right? Not being the cleanest, but really truly living in nature and really enjoying the adventure part. Then I got a call from my agent and they're like, oh, you just got booked on a job. You got to get on the plane tomorrow. And you're like, <gasps> you realize, and you literally check, like check from the crown of my head to my feet, what work needs to be done. And because you have, you have perfect nails and, you know, like just know how much it's going to take to just pull it back and model perfection to present it to the client. And, and so it just made me really anxious and it made me realize how I actually live day to day, not in that anxiety, but as in it was our homework. And I think it's not a bad thing necessarily. It's just that there is a limited freedom that comes with that. There is not, in retrospect, I've always felt attracted to modeling for the adventure part because I love adventure. And I lost that sense of adventure throughout the career because I was the girl that was always a little bit taller than everyone. I'm six one, And so I'm also a bit more athletically built. And so they would tell me, don't work out, like don't build muscle, don't play soccer anymore, don't go snowboarding. And first you listen and you're like, okay, okay, okay. If that's what I need to do, then that's what I'll do. And then you got to just say, nah, 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 nah. You cannot compromise on everything. So I kept doing a lot of the things, but at the same time, 
it creeps in and you realize all that you've missed out on. And so I'm catching up right now. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's important whether you're going into the modeling industry or not, or you're in it or you're in another career. It's just what is consuming your mind all day long. And I know with my modeling career and being in fashion, for me specifically, that anxiousness, that anxiety of like, needing to be perfect from head to toe was always on my mind. It was always consuming my day-to-day life. And because I was so attached to the identity of it, the identity of how I looked, it was so terrifying for me to step into any other career. And so there was this interesting dynamic where it was like, although it was discomforting and although the anxiousness was there and I didn't enjoy it, there was almost an addiction to it. And I think that that's where we have to become careful is like starting to become self-aware, like you said, of When are these subtle belief systems? When are these subtle stories that we take on from the media, cultural conditioning, societal conditioning, creeping into our minds and consuming that part of our life where we're preventing ourselves from going out and having that adventure? And what I see in my practice, and I'm sure you see this too with your careers, it's like with working as a personal trainer, it's like when we take on those beliefs, we stop living our life, right? Like we won't go out because we're like bloated. So we won't go out on that date or we won't step into that career that we really desire because we believe we need to lose some more weight or whatever the story is, right? We prevent our life and we prevent living. And so I love that explanation because whether you're in modeling or not, I believe that those stories really do creep up on us and subtly exist and then prevent us from really living. Yeah. And I think that's happened in so many ways in my life that I am just exhilarated that I'm still young. I feel like I still have a long life ahead of me and I can make these changes. Because when I look at girls and I'm really more talking about when I was in LA, when I was living there full time, I see girls absolutely drop dead gorgeous, always like, I don't say everyone, but you know, when I go to, let's say a pool party or like you go to Soul House or you go to certain places, you know that they're looking the part. They look absolutely stunning. They have their A-game on. Their clothes are beautiful. Their toenails are done. Their hair is curled or ironed, whatever. they like, wow, okay, this is next level. And you feel like, okay, I didn't do the same thing today because I just came from the beach and I just wear shorts and t-shirt and maybe I should step up my game. So you start comparing. And that's where the danger is, right? Where you're like, oh, I'm not comfortable because didn't really, you know, dress up for this party and everyone looks so great. At the same time, when it's time to jump in the pool and you're having fun, I'm the first one in. Or when the ocean is inviting, I'm taking off my clothes, putting my bikini and I'm out. And for the other girls I have noticed that have put in the time and energy to hair and makeup, they're not going to experience that because they're like, yo, I just worked on this look for an hour. And I'm not going to now jump in and you're missing out again on an experience. And I think that is such a bummer. And I think that's something I've learned to avoid doing, like to actually be proud when I show up in my jeans and that's what I wanted to wear to say, you know what, I'm not going to apologize. I'm not going to feel less if everyone else is more dressed up. It's fine. I feel great in how I show up because I chose this and I don't enjoy doing my hair. I really actually hate putting curls in my hair. I love how it looks. I hate doing it. Me too. It doesn't doesn't last. I don't know if you're, you know, some girls seem to have curls and that last all day. I put curls in my hair two hours from now, it's gone. And I just burnt my finger and, (laughs) and I'm sweating. My arms are exhausted. I'm like, this is a, a job. This is not fun for me. But for some girls, it is fun. I don't want to take 
it away from girls because I do think that it's wonderful if that's part of your self-care, if you enjoy that or putting on makeup. I think if it's natural, if it's exciting, let's just say it's not never natural. I think if it's exciting to you, if it makes you really feel good, and if you don't miss out on certain experience, if it doesn't prevent you from you doing enjoy. Yeah, right. things that you enjoy, then please do it. Because I do think it's important if that's part of your self-expression. I've just never been like that. I have not been what you may think of a typical model. I was never interested in fashionable clothes. I was never really interested in makeup and never interested in doing my hair beautifully. I was just like, when I wanted to move my body, it was actually always like, if you put me on a photo shoot and I had to like, fit this really tight dress and wearing heels. I was so miserable, absolutely miserable. Because first of all, my feet are way too big for shoes with high heels. Like I'm a 10 going to 11. So it's absolutely uncomfortable. Then I have wide shoulders. I look smaller than I am. So I had to squeeze in tiny little dresses, super uncomfortable. It's hot. The flashlight is going off in your face. It's like every flashlight takes a little piece of my soul. At the end of the day on a catalog shoot, I am so drained. And I could have been a really fun team player that day. I could have like made everyone feel like we had a great shoot. I cannot even talk anymore. I don't want to go out to dinner. I don't even talk to nobody. I need like dark. I need to sleep and then do it again the next day. But it really felt so unhealthy that it was so depleting. But as soon as you put me in, a, if I was working for Women's Health Magazine, the more challenging physically, the better. I just felt like they had me snowboard in a desert once. So it looked like I was snowboarding in the mountains, but I was in a desert and it was 100 degrees and I had winter clothes on and I had to move on a snowboard down sand dunes. So absolutely crazy. But that's the type of job I love. And I felt, I mean, I was melting underneath the clothes. And obviously it was a real challenge to move through sand instead of snow. But I just love these challenges. So those were my absolute favorite modeling gigs. And I think that I was lucky to get quite a lot of movement jobs. But the most miserable I was when I would be, and this was probably one of the worst, when I, in a wedding gowns, like you had to be really stiff and you could only do a few poses with your arms. And, you know, like there's this really detailed way of posing about your chest and how to round your shoulders and how to put your chin up and... Oh, I fainted in the studio. I was like, this sucks. God, this sucks. <laughs> it's not worth the money. Even though you get paid well, you know, like when you feel like, yeah, you're just depleted and unhappy, it's never worth it. Hey there, are you loving this podcast? Well, a simple way to support is to head over to sarahannstewart.com and join the newsletter. Doing this ensures that you are never going to miss out on any details of new projects, products, upcoming events, or behind the scenes stuff that I only share with my inner circle. Also by joining, you're going to get access to the movement, which means you are part of a free community of individuals standing in their power to live a diet-free life in a body that they love. So head on over to sarahannstewart.com and subscribe, and I'll see you on the inside. And I think the point that I want to make, and I think the point that is so important for the listeners to hear again, is that it's not about whether you wear makeup or do your hair. It's about the fact that if you're using those things to feel a certain way or to feel included or inclusive with everyone around you, and you're always in the comparison or the judgment game, then it becomes problematic. If you're using that as creativity and inspiration, and it's something you absolutely enjoy, then that's one thing. But I always say, 
what would you need in order to feel a certain way? And you actually need nothing. You just need to check in with your inner self and step into that excitement, that joy, that inspiration that you deeply desire. You don't really need to do anything. And the problem becomes when we think we need something externally or outside of ourselves to be able to feel good, to feel confident, to feel self-love, to feel worthy, to feel part of the people that we're around or to get them to like us, like then it becomes a problematic experience where we're not honoring our truth. Yeah, that's so true. And also I would add to that, leave your phone at home, put it in your bag, don't have it on you. Like what I find really quite annoying is when girls are on their phone when they're in a social gathering. Because we're all wanting to connect, but if we're on our phone, we cannot connect. And also when I'm with some great friends, I want to have great conversations. I don't care like, hey, oh, should we do this? And they're thinking of a scenario where we can post something and it's kind of the social proof of, okay, we were here, we had fun. But it's not that it cannot happen. I just find it annoying when it's like you're living for that moment. I'm this party and I dress beautifully and let's now create some content. It's like, I'm not here to create content. I'm here to get away from my phone. And no, <laughs> can we please not do a dance? Like I'm, <laughs> I feel like we got to do circus acts these days to get attention on social media. I mean, on one hand, entertaining. On the other hand, I'm cringing. Almost like, really? How did this come so far? Yeah, I think it came so far because it's almost the same experience that we're having with makeup where it's like, okay, well, we need the makeup to feel a certain way, but then we go out and then we need the picture to get posted to feel yeah. a certain way. Instead of it's just, hey, I'm having a great time with my friends. And then what's under that is, okay, well, now I want X amount of people to like it. And if that amount of people don't like it, then it means I'm not worthy or that they didn't validate my experience or they didn't check in or they are not watching me. And so it's this constant search for the hit of the dopamine. It's the constant search for the hit of the feeling within us that we're not getting from the hair, then the makeup, then the dress, then the partner, then the experience. And now we've turned to social media. It's like we're transferring that desire from one thing to the next. And sadly, with social media, it's like we get the hit so quickly. And then we're like, oh, we need the next hit. We need the next hit. And I think that that's what has been so beautiful about this pandemic is that it's allowed us to go back in our homes, take off our makeup, like really recognize what life (laughs) is about, detach. And although it's still something we need to be conscious of, I think if we're recognizing within this year, it's like, okay, there was a statement that said, don't curse the year that woke us up. 2020 is the year that actually woke us up. And I believe that to be true specifically in terms of our relationship to the influencer world and traveling and always seeking things outside of ourselves for happiness. I think it has really turned it around and said, okay, what's important now more than ever? And I think there's blessing in that. And I've had to confront my own experiences, right? Of, mm-hmm. of like social media and, you know, wanting, even with our work, it becomes almost a bit driven from ego where we're like, okay, we want to impact more people and more people and more people. And you have to like bring yourself back to say, okay, well, what if I just impact one person today? Like, am I going to show up fully for that one person instead of always being about more and more and more? Yeah. It's really tricky because you do want to like reach a certain amount of people. If you have a following, you feel like, okay, I'm doing this to putting in a lot of time and energy to create this content. Is it seen? And then it may not be seen or it may not have the interaction that you had hoped for. And you're like, is this worth it? There's the one thing we cannot buy is time. Time is so precious. Like I don't want to waste it. And I feel like much of my life, I've worked way too hard. I'm a bit of a recovering workaholic. I have 
always worked hard. I don't know why I constantly do. I mean, there's some insights in there, but it's just like my parents were very easygoing. They never even asked me if I wanted to go to university, never like said, hey, you know, you should be doing this or that. I always made my own decision, but have this insane drive in me. And of course, it's wonderful because I accomplished a lot. At the same time, I'm now in a place where I don't need to work this hard. I don't need to keep myself this busy. I am in Maui and I have the beach right next to me. Sometimes I don't even see the beach in a whole week. And I'm like, why? It's like literally a minute walk. It's next door. It's my backyard. And it's all about giving yourself permission. It's about saying you can do less and still have an impact. You can take time off and still be efficient. So what I've done is I, as I mentioned, love adventure. So Wednesday afternoons are my adventure afternoons and I don't book anything anymore. And even though like I may be super busy from six in the morning till like, let's say 1 p.m. or noon when I leave and go on an adventure with a friend, I will drop everything and work gets done anyway. Like if it's the day after or it doesn't really matter. Like that's one of the things that I really have to learn. and continue to recover from and always doing more. I think uh, (laughs) if someone would employ me, I'd be very happy, but I'm an entrepreneur. I work for myself. So I can tell myself, these are the hours that you work and these are the hours that you can take some time off. But yeah, it, it is interesting how this whole time and spending more time at home has been super valued, even though it's been a scary time and it's ongoing. There's a lot of turmoil and insecurities. It has brought me back to, I do want to have more time to maybe do nothing for some. I don't even know what the word being bored means. I have no clue what that means because I always find something to do and and a project. And like I said, I love setting goals, but sometimes the goal must be to not have a goal to schedule time off. Because what I've realized is I schedule time to do my workouts. I schedule time for everything. I have a schedule every day every day of the week, but I don't schedule time off. And that's what I just started doing. And I'm just like, interesting. Okay. I'm learning. I'm learning here. And then you also see what comes in the way of scheduling that time off. It's like, instead of going outside, oh, well, there's laundry to do and there's the dishes to do. And then this, I got to clean this up. An hour later, you're still in the house. You're like, no, this time was designed to go outside. And so like everyone has obviously their own goals and their own things they want to work on, but this is a big one for me. Yeah. It's like, there's almost discomfort for me in doing nothing. It's a weird story that I've taken on. So I relate deeply to your experience in this because I've never not worked. And like you said, I don't have to be working as hard as I am. And yet for some reason, 2020, I've worked harder than any other year (laughs) in my life. And I'm like, why? Like, why? And then you have to start becoming self-aware. You have to start recognizing the patterns. And then you have to go within and say, well, what is the discomfort that I feel internally? Or what is showing up for me when I do take or want or desire to take time off, but I don't? Or if I do, what is the discomfort when I do take time off? And what's showing up in my mind and my body? And why am I filling it with these other things? And It's really interesting. I mean, when you actually write on your to-do list, the things that need to get done, most often I hear from my clients, they get done, right? And so what are all these other things? I'm upset. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like what are all these other things we're adding in that are energetically sucking and taking from us, but yet we're not refilling and refueling our 
energy with space. And I think that in the space is when we really have the self-awareness of what is working, what isn't working, why certain parts of our relationship and dynamics with friends and family and partners might be working or might not be. And same with career and all aspects of our life, but only in the stillness do we recognize those parts of ourselves. And I think it's a very important lesson of 2020. And I hear it from so many entrepreneurs. And I'm curious for you, like for your self-care practices, because I know you do move your body most days. And I love the fact that you talk about, it's not about just doing the same fitness routine every single day. It's about like switching it up and doing different things and really feeling into your body and feeling and cultivating joy through movement. Yeah. What are the other self-care practices that you really love to do or enjoy or that you are scheduling on your calendar that are like these <laughs> non-negotiables that are like, on Mondays, I do this. On Tuesdays, I do this. Well, for me, like I really find it important to take excellent care of my skin and my hair. I feel like when I take a shower and I really take my time, like there's no time limit to, okay, I got to save water right now. I got to be out of the shower in one minute. I'm going to just take my time and let my thoughts run and wash my hair and then shave and do whatever I want to do and put my body lotion on. And it just makes me feel like a new person right away. It's like I really took care of myself in ways that no one else can do. And so I feel like that's one thing that makes me feel very grounded, just that type of self-care and, you know, smelling good. And when the skin is nice and fresh and I just love like putting body butters on and oils and (laughs) all that jazz, like that's definitely like a spa moment for myself. And I also have an outdoor shower here. So that's like a whole new thing for me. And I take most of my showers outdoors now. Then for me, because I do a lot of strengthening and I used to do a lot of cardio, not so much because it's been really hot here this summer. So I have been training for many triathlons over the past so many years. So I was always either swimming, running or cycling and that kind of transformed to more high intensity interval trainings, beach walks and a lot of kiteboarding, some surfing and just more like hiking and other things. So everything that I have been doing is kind of like shortening my muscles, right? Everything is getting tight and strong. And then I need to counterbalance. I always feel like I need yoga to do everything that I love to do. So it's a non-negotiable. In the weekend, I need to do my yoga a full hour or longer. And then I get into the most deep relaxation at the end of it, like when in Savasana, the corpse pose, I come into a meditative state that I cannot reach when I meditate daily. It's Only when I release the tension in my body and the accumulated, I guess, stress of the week, as soon as I release it, I'm like, all right, I am feeling like crystal clear, super relaxed. Like my weekend only just starts when I finish yoga. I'm like, okay, I'm back. I'm here. Exhale. (laughs) So so I would say self-care spa and yoga is definitely most important. But I do also feel very happy when I get to try a new recipe or when I make a loaf of sourdough bread and something that is a bit more time consuming. And I do naturally go to the kitchen and my man appreciates everything I make for him. He is so grateful that it makes me want to do more and always go the extra mile because we enjoy coming together in the kitchen and sharing food. So it's definitely a huge joy for me to cook and yeah, take care of my man. So I think a lot of people probably make the assumption and from looking at my account, your account, other health coaches accounts, right? Where, where mm-hmm. they see like us working out or drinking a green smoothie or 
doing yoga on top of a mountain, you know, these kind of like picturesque pictures, right? Mm -hmm. Where I think there's a belief that it's always enjoyable. Like we just get up and we always want to move our bodies or we always want to do self-care. We always want to do the things that are going to feel good for us. Do you feel that way? Like, do you get excited before every single workout or do you have days where you're like, oh, fuck, I have to get my workout in, but you know, after it's going to feel good. Because I'm not the type of person who, like, if I looked at your account, I would be like, wow, this girl just loves to work out. That's not me. Because I don't. Like, like, it's a push for me to get to the gym. (laughs) So I'm happy to announce that I hardly ever feel like working out. I always feel resistant and never, yeah. oh, I'm going to go hard and challenge myself. And I think this is a really important thing. Motivation comes and goes. You may feel, ex- sure, I may feel excited. If I haven't exercised in two days, I'm like, oh, I'm really excited to, you know, I'm really wanting and craving the exercise. But I have clients come to my house every day. Some need more motivation. So I'll be there exercising with them. And after my third client, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of done. I, and I have one more. And, you know, I'm not motivated in that moment, but it becomes a habit. And so that's the biggest difference. Like I train for myself and with clients because it's a habit. This time of the day, I schedule my exercise. This is when I'm doing it. It doesn't matter if I'm motivated because otherwise nine out of 10 times I wouldn't be exercising. So I don't feel always excited about exercising. I feel excited about how I'm going to feel after I'm done. And what the results are for the rest of my day, how I feel different, I talk different, I speak different because I stand in my body. Like actually before this interview, I trained with my client and I felt much more ready for this interview for this day. If I had just rolled out of bed, it would have been a completely different type of energy that I would be bringing to this podcast. And I think energetically, I feel like you get an upgrade every time you work out. And also because your mind is so much more relaxed. And so, yeah, I do love to exercise for function. So let's say when I surf and I feel like my arms are getting stronger because I've worked my body more, I'm excited. I'm like, okay, that's why I do this. But I feel like we always need a bigger juicy goal because as a kiteboarder, you use your legs a lot. If you do triathlon, you're training for different goals. Now, if you have juicy goals, when I ran a marathon, I did a lot of run training. Well, I don't love running, but I wanted to do that marathon. That juicy goal really kept me going. And so I feel like just working out to work out doesn't really work for me. I personally need a better reason. And the reason is either to release stress, if I have to make a really important decision and I cannot find a clear mind, I'll work out. I most likely will have the answer by the end of the workout or when I go in the shower and have that quiet moment. So I feel like working out has become less about my shape as in what I got to look like or what I want to look like or, you know, like what back in the days was expected from us in the modeling industry. It really is more to feel great, to feel energized, to feel capable of doing all these wonderful things that I can do on this island to go on an adventure and climb over rocks and climb ropes and, <laughs> and do all these things and jump out of a tree. And I feel strong. I feel capable. And the next day I'm really sore. And I'm like, yeah, that, I earned that. And so I feel like whatever the goal is for you, it's got to be juicier than I want to have like a six pack or something, or I want to have really toned arms. Or I honestly like my bread, butter and cheese much better than a six pack. I I really do. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to not eat it because it might look a little bit better. I might just have that chiseled look that will look great in a picture, but do I really care? No, not really. I love that bread and I'm going to have it. 
So it's also choosing over that. But I will say I work out for food. <laughs> so if you know that you have a lot of social gatherings and you want to eat and then really enjoy whatever is presented, then, you know, you can work out a little more. It's fine. You know, it's not that it's necessary and healthy. You know, I joke. I say, yeah, I work out for food. I love doing that. I feel like it's fine. Like, as long as you don't get obsessed. Because no, there's always like a very good middle ground. Like uh, being obsessed is in no way or shape healthy or fun. Right. Because then there becomes an addiction to it. Mm -hmm. I think when you can recognize that food is pleasure, when you can recognize that there's joy and connection and inspiration in food and it's to nourish our bodies. And we can focus on the movement for a greater why, for the reason to be alive, to feel good in our bodies, to prevent sickness down the road, to cultivate a deeper relationship to our bodies where we get to listen and hear the wisdom of the body. I think all of those things are great reasons to cultivate that motivation, which there's moments I'm struggling to get to the gym or struggling to get on my Pilates machine, but it's that inner knowing of, okay, I'm going to feel incredible after this. I'm doing this for my bigger why. I'm doing this to come alive in my body for the ability to feel confident and strong and resilient and to make sure that I'm deeply caring for myself because I love myself because it's actually coming from self-love. Yeah. And so I often think that there's the misconception that self-love is just being complacent and not really taking care of ourselves because if I love myself, then I'm just going to let myself be. But a lot of times self-love is the discomfort. It's like pushing through, getting out of bed early to get in that meditation or to get to the gym or to move your body outside or whatever it is. It doesn't always feel great. That doesn't mean that it's not self-love and that doesn't mean that you don't care about yourself. So thank you for recognizing that and sharing that because I think that will be really, really helpful for a lot of the listeners. Before you take off, because I know you have to go soon, it's like we're running like really long on this podcast, which is great. I wanted to talk about your book because I think a lot of people would love to probably buy it and enjoy it. And just want to talk about how this book came to be. I know you shared that it was part of your process of learning to cook, but now it's been in Times Square and all the billboards and it's been a really big success. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that for the listeners to be able to grab that. Thanks for bringing that up. It's been a real privilege to publish the book because it took me seven years from the moment that, well, my agent pitched it uh, to the publishing houses. And seven years later, we were actually standing on Times Square, not just me alone, but actually nine other women I had invited to co-write this book with me. They all have their own chapter because I felt like, okay, I have a story, my excitement, I want to share it. But it may only reach a small audience. Like if I could share more voices, more experiences of girls like me that may at first see as competition, oh, they're doing just what I'm doing. They're models, but they're health and wellness experts. Their messaging is similar. And instead of seeing them as competition, I was just like, what if we could all collaborate on this? This would be so fun. And it turned out to be the best decision I've made. It was a lot of work to navigate for me because obviously not only do you have to do your own work, but you also have to coach and make sure that everyone else is doing their part. And some girls were super easy to work with. Some girls needed a lot more attention and coaching. But altogether, it was just the best thing I could ever think of because not only did we reach so many more people, so many more women, because the method is about models do eat is please do not starve yourself. Eat well, take care of yourself, learn how to cook, eat more wholesome meals in order to have your best body, feel great in your body. 
So that was really the message. And when we were standing on Times Square, we had 12 billboards sponsored. I mean, it was incredible because we were now on Times Square really spreading our own message for the very first time on that large of a scale. Some of the girls have been on Times Square billboards. We all have been on so many billboards and covers of magazines, but never was it because we shared our own story. And I think that was like the most powerful thing of it all, that we finally were able to share us, to share about, hey, this is what we've been dealing with. We all had some form of either disordered eating or health issues and cooking has helped us tremendously in healing our bodies and mind. And I think that was like the most powerful thing of it all that we could reach so many by through collaboration and say, hey, we are just like you. Please do not put us on a pedestal. We are just like you. We're all dealing with a lot of challenges in our life and turmoil. And let's connect. Let's collaborate. So outside of that book collaboration, it was really the message of us saying, women, let's unite. Let's do this together. It's so much more powerful than comparing and feeling insecure in each other's presence. If we can lift each other up and really in that collaboration, there was just so much power. And I hope that the listeners will pick it up at either Barnes and Nobles or Amazon. You can also go to my Instagram account and there's a link that will also direct you to buy it. It's a really fun book. It's pretty simple recipes. Like you don't have to order really special spices and things. It really is a nice compilation. And it also what I was going to mention, there's not a diet really that we dive into. It's more of a eat well and follow some of the recipes if you feel that it's appealing to you. But there's no like eat this, do that. It's more like an invitation, an invitation to new flavors, new dishes, ways of eating and feeling. And there's also a very important part of the 10 essentials in the very front of the book. And this talks about if I had started a modeling career, I wish I had this knowledge. (laughs) And so it's pretty much everything I wanted to know when I was 17, because it would have saved me from a lot of trouble. At the same time, obviously, we need some issues in our lives then to thrive and wake yourself up and then transform it into a career. So I'm really grateful how everything happened the way it did. But yeah, this is truly like, if I had known all of this information, wow, yeah, I could have saved me a lot of trouble. So the first part of the book is more nutrition and mindset. And then there's um, 10 chapters and all these wonderful recipes in it. So enjoy. Yeah, I think it's so great because it really provides you recipes that will nourish your body without feeling deprived. I think often people think that, especially in the world of fashion, that it's about the calorie cutting or cutting back. And what I love about this cookbook, which is called Models Do Eat, is that it allows you to see that you don't have to cut back when you're using and cooking with foods that are nourishing whole foods, that nourish your body, that make you feel full and that give you the nourishment that you need to maintain a day full with energy and really increase your vitality and improve your health. And I think that that's the difference in terms of the mindset shift that we really need to take on in this country. It's like often that cutting back, cutting back, cutting back, feeling deprived, all or nothing. If I go on this protocol, I'm going to feel like shit for seven days, but then finally I'll have the body of my dreams. And like that mindset is <laughs> it's debilitating. It's literally what's crippling yeah. our health in this country. And we have to get back to the whole foods and that we can actually eat more foods that are 
nourishing than having to ever deprive ourselves. And so thank you for writing in. Yeah. Thank you for focusing on really bringing women specifically in the fashion world together. I think it's really important specifically right now and really cultivating the mindset that there is more than enough to go around. I mean, that's been the greatest gift for me in the wellness space is just recognizing that I could talk for the rest of my life on wellness and there would still be hundreds of thousands of people that need this content. And that's true for every health coach. Like we could all be talking all day long and there'd still be more people that need it. And so it's important for us all to come together. So like you're doing, bringing people together and just recognizing that there's more than enough to go around. Yeah. And also that we all have a voice that needs to be heard because if I had listened to some people around me, they're like, well, there's already plenty of cookbooks, right? Yeah, there are. And hey, there's already plenty of podcasts. I know, but I did start one and you too. And so, and we're writing the books and we're just doing it because it's still a personal message and it's your voice and it's your experience. Even though the information may not all be new, it's presented in a way that it may read someone that would not have otherwise read it or introduced it into her life. It is important that everyone that's listening that if you have like an experience yourself that you know you feel like others could learn from, if you have valuable information to share, please share. Don't feel like there's so many people doing it because it doesn't matter. This is your story and this is your life and it is valuable and it is very important to share. That's how you actually feel very connected. You give other people permission to share too. If I had like, I know that I used to share only in everything positive. I would not share anything that was going wrong in my life. Cause I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't need to talk about that. I'm just focusing on the positive. But when I did start sharing, when there was some really big things happening, and I really needed to share. I felt much more connected to the people around me that I decided like my closest friends let's to say, cause they were like, wow, she's finally sharing something that's not good in her life. Not that they were waiting for it, but they were feeling more connected because they had been sharing that way. But I maybe had been a bit more, you know, restricting on, uh, you know, I shouldn't share that. I should just yeah, it's very positive. So I think if there is a lot to say about being real, being raw with the right people and feel that support and feel that connection and you experience much deeper type of relationships that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I believe that when we go in with the abundance mindset and we go in with the belief that there's enough to go around, then we're creating relationships based on friendship and truth and our stories versus what can you do for me? And how many fathers do you have? And can you share this? And how big is your email list? And it's more about, we need to wake the world up to health and wellness. Like we have a responsibility if we have a story to help other people to wake people up. You've been so good at that. You've been absolutely wonderful. I mean, the amount of work that you put in, I know it's delicate to actually share, like another girl said it, share your shit. It's like, yeah, okay, here we go again. I went through some deep things. I'm going to share it with you. I'm a the other end right now, I can see clearly, I can articulate it well. And you don't have an obligation to share this at all, but you feel obligated, right? You feel like I can possibly not share this because this can help so many other women. And I find that every time you post, I want to know, I want to know what you're saying, what you've been sharing, because you know, you don't overshare, you're not on Instagram, it doesn't look like and you're on Instagram all day, like it looks like you're very purposeful with what you share. And you put in a lot of time and effort to share. And that I think that your followers really shares that and can see that it's not just like, oh, just for the matter of, oh, let's create content. It's not, no, you can maybe post for a week, nothing. And then you come up with, you know, then you post that video that you're like, okay, wow, that's open mind, you know, opens your mind and 
yeah, your rawness can be triggering for some people. And I think that's the beauty of it. We need to hear this because it's always been there, these thoughts and these things and these experiences. But now we can share more openly about it. We don't have to feel alone in it. It's like, oh, well, she's sharing about it. And now I may be sharing about it. Maybe I should tell my parents or friends what happened or how I really feel. Yes, please. That's where we feel again, that connectedness. And I think you're really good at that. You as well. Thank you so much for sharing that and, and that reflection. I really appreciate it. And you as well. I mean, in terms of just the content you're putting out in your podcast and your book and all of the beauty that you bring to so many people's lives. I'm so, so thankful. And I'm sure that people are going to want to learn more about you and where they can find you. Where are the best places to do that and just to connect and discover more? Well, I would say Instagram would be the best one. It's underscore models do eat. And uh, so my name is Jill D. Young, J-I-L-L, and then a space D-E space J-O-N-G. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. I'm sure people will absolutely go and connect with you. If the listeners want to learn more, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely go to Instagram. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It really means a lot to me that you shared your journey and your story. And I'm just so thankful. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. And it's been a pleasure talking to you and we can continue our conversations for (laughs) hours and days. And I am looking forward to continuing our friendship and staying in touch with you. So thank you. You too. Thanks so much, Beth. Oh, I trust that you enjoyed this conversation with Jill and got so much value from what she shared today. I know that it can be hard to make space for our healing and to do the deeper work that is so crucial for our health and happiness. It's not easy and it's often intangible, meaning we can't often see or track our progress in quantifiable ways, specifically in that moment. But every step towards healing makes a difference to our lifelong health and happiness. And so the first step requires awareness, especially when it comes to our relationship with food and our body. And so I've learned that often our desire to constantly step on the scale, see our reflection in the mirror, or spend so much time meticulously tracking our progress requires a shift in awareness and the reprogramming of the subconscious mind. And often we think, that it is about disconnecting and going within, which can be very powerful. And I have also realized that it can also happen through small acts of self-care and self-love and stepping into a new you, which transforms your life from the inside out. Simple acts of self-care are powerful ways to reprogram your mind so that you can start finding that deep awareness that Jill talks about. And so I encourage you and challenge you to find that place where self-care becomes habitual and offers healing. And from that energy, you'll naturally begin to gravitate towards more ways of healing, whether that be through foods that nourish you deeply, exercise and daily movement, or even a lifestyle change that helps you feel alive, healthy, vibrant, and fully you. You'll start to instinctively seek out the means to keep your body strong and balanced. And you'll strengthen your mind-body connection as you continually come back to your inner self, creating the space of reflection and acceptance. So whether you're facing thoughts or old behaviors that don't serve your highest well-being, self-care can help you move beyond them. And you can experience self-love and self-acceptance and heal your past. And so your beliefs about self-care can set your intention. And from that intention, healing can then occur. And so today, I hope 
that you give yourself permission to look deeply inwards and evaluate what past beliefs or narratives you're telling yourself about your life, your health, your well-being, and caring for yourself. And I trust that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It was a conversation I believe we can all benefit from. And so if you enjoyed this conversation, I encourage you to go listen to my podcast with Holly Futchman as we approach a similar topic from a different angle of finding body freedom through deep, deep awareness. Drop me a message on Instagram if you've been listening to these podcasts and let me know what's been resonating. What do you want to hear more about and how can I support you in becoming happier and healthier? You can find me on the gram at Sarah and Stewart and I also want to celebrate your wins. So make sure to share with me so I can tag you. Until next time, I'm sending you so much love and a massive virtual hug and trusting you'll have a beautiful, incredible week ahead. All right, that concludes this cast. It is my honor to always be here with you. But hang tight because I have one last thought. You're here right now because you are ready. Because while many of us share the feelings of wanting more, not everyone is willing to do what it takes to get it. But you are here. You are ready. So this is your opportunity now to take what you just learned and implement it today. Make a pact with yourself to put just one thing into action. Just one. Write it down, do it, and share it with me. We are all in this together. Thank you for being here. You too can feel awesome from the inside out.